Welcome to Cybersecurity Business. I'm your host, Kevin Poucher, the COO of K-Logix. In our podcast, we interview CISOs and other security leaders to hear their advice on the business of information security. This podcast gives our listeners actionable takeaways to help them increase the effectiveness of their security program. Today, we're joined by Dmitry Sokolovsky, CIO and CISO of Avid, a technology and multimedia company headquartered right here in Burlington, Massachusetts. In this episode, we will be discussing best practices when it comes to benchmarking against yourself in the industry. So, Dimitri, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Kevin. So last time we spoke, if you remember, you and I did a webinar together about how to reduce complexity and increase maturity. And that was right before COVID hit. So here we are one and a half years later. You've now been an avid for what, three years? So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of curious, you know, rewind back to when you started. How has your, your, your job and your role changed over the last three years? And did COVID impact that? Well, that's, a, that's a big question, a lot to unpack there. So um, for sure, uh, a lot has changed. Um, the organization became more mature. I'd like to say with, with our efforts, with the team's efforts, it became more mature um, in the information security field in general. The organization, its employees, its executives became more aware of risk, uh, of how to think about risk. And so with that, I want to say my job became easier, although that's, you know, with the with what's happening out in the world, that's not necessarily true. But uh, the company became a, an ally in, in a lot more places, a lot more ways uh, than it was in the beginning. And I think it would be true for, for you know, any CISO uh, starting a position. Uh-huh. Um, we've had a chance to stabilize the areas that, that gave us the most grief. Um, we usually look at areas that cause most unplanned work as, you know, first targets. Uh, and, and they usually are the biggest risks um, maybe not un- un- unsurprisingly, and so we were able to to minimize the issues in those areas, and with, that gave us more time in return. It's kind of a good catch twenty two, which allows allowed us to deploy more resources to to more areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also were able to show the benefits to our board and our executives, and with that, we're able to uh, get more funding. You know, it's just a basic thing. And so we're able to grow the team as well. So from tooling and team perspective, we grew, the company became more mature and altogether that that improved the situation across the board. So speaking of sort of showing and and demonstrating the value and the progression, um, you know, in an industry that's growing a mile a minute, um, it's crucial to benchmark, right? I'm sure you've seen this over your last three years, so you can continue to educate the organization on progress year over year. So not just against your organization, but potentially against competitors and potentially against the industry. So talk a little bit about what your approach is to benchmarking when it comes to showing that year over year success of the program. Sure. Um, There are a couple of things to consider here. Your level of maturity, your your relative level of maturity as an organization will dictate how important it is to match yourself against others. If you are pretty low on that on that level, 
it almost doesn't matter how well you're doing against others as long as you continue making improvements and strides in the in the areas that are most important for you for the for the risk it's almost like you know stabilizing the patient for the first couple of years it really doesn't matter whether someone else is stable or not in comparison to you or how much more stable they are the mm-hmm. important part is to close the biggest gaps the biggest wounds the things that bleed the most for you um, and when you can when you can get to that point where you can almost sort of breathe out and say okay we're stable now now we can sort of look around okay well now if i have three or four different things right in front of me but they're not all immediately bleeding they're all sort of important but not critical anymore we've stabilized it enough now you sort of start asking yourself questions okay what do i do next and that's when benchmarking comes into play and not necessarily as an indicator for others of how you're doing but really as a guidance for you what should you be doing what's next what's important just like you said this industry changes so quickly and technology changes so quickly as well. Do you do what you used to do three years ago, what your predecessors did three years ago in a similar situation? Maybe there is new technology. Maybe there's new approach, new framework, new ways of doing things. And I think that's pri- the, the primary reason to benchmark yourself against, to see what's next, what you should be doing. Are you? Do you uh, get pressure from your board uh, from a perspective of, well, I get what you're saying, but we really want to know how we're doing relative to our peers and our competitors. I, I hear that all the time from executives. So is this is this something you need to educate them on why you need to be stable first? Do they understand that? Talk a little bit about that. That's a, that's a good question. When we deal with the board, it's a, it's like a meeting of of. of People don't really know each other well, the security mm-hmm. executives and the board. And we're, right. we're, all, we're both coming to that meeting a little hesitant. And, you know, from, from us, from our perspective, we're not sure what the board wants to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think the board comes to that meeting the same way. Well, we're not sure what to ask. There is a little bit of a gap of understanding of each other before the meetings occur. So I think that kind of leads to, to those kinds of questions, to benchmarking against others. Right. Because... Just like I, was, I just said, it, it, as far as uh, how likely you are to be breached, the other companies, that what happened to them is it's a very minor indication. It doesn't right. really tell you what your gaps are, what your holes are. But, but from the board perspective, that's really the only thing they know and they can sort of bring to the table. So it's on us mm. really early in these meetings to start educating the board and what we're doing and what is important. Some okay. of it. Some of it is discussing the trends. This is what we're seeing out there. This is the intelligence information we're gathering. These are the, all the sources. And these are the things that we're seeing more of and less of. Some of it is about um, really basic security education. Well, you kind of got to be careful not to go too, too deep into the weeds of technology. But, you know, to identify what is more important, what's less important. You know, it used to be worms or viruses. It's ransomware now. It's now ransomware as a service. What does that even mean? What are these events that are happening out there? In those events, what's more applicable to you? What's less applicable to you? And when you give that information, maybe as a side appendix note, and I got to tell you, the board reads everything you put in there, even if you don't talk about it, uh, that pays. One or two meetings and you start getting really specific and really good questions from the board about what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you need to continue succeeding 
um, you know, what assistance you need and how well the company is reacting. Um, so I think it's kind of a two-way street. It, it's, it's good to, you know, it, it, you, you got to be able to answer those questions and provide some of the benchmarking, but, but you have a, you have a really, uh, uh, I think, easy way to guide the conversation after one or two meetings. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that the board reads everything you put in front of them. I recently had an opportunity to present the results of, of, of an assessment we did to a board and they stopped us almost instantaneously. And they said, look, every single person here has reviewed everything that you sent out. So tell us what to do now, which I thought was interesting, right? It, they were really on top of it. Um, so when we talk about benchmarking, getting down to sort of some of the details, I think you talked about some of this, but, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be what you present to, to, to your board, but what metrics in general do you find most impactful? It's also, it's interesting that unless you have someone on the board that is uh, an industry um, specialist or at least has a good IT understanding, you're not going to get that kind of deep attention to any particular KPI unless okay. you're the one that tags it yourself. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of have to look at, at what you're doing and um, build a long-term plan because you can't start with strategic KPI right away. Mm -hmm. uh, you either don't have enough information, don't have enough people, there's just not enough time that passed. It's really, really difficult to pull that out right away. You could maybe sort of show it as a plan. This is where we eventually we're going to get up to, but you know, with the board, that's also not very useful. You're going to give them that three-year plan and so many things will change in the way there right. that it won't really, won't really help. So what I, what I did was, you know, again, a similar situation. We're starting to, to close some of the immediate gaps, some of the, some of the more risky areas. And what I try to do for every project that my team works on, I try to ask them, what is it that you're doing and why? And then I'm asking my team to correlate what they're doing with company strategic goals and then identify a smart goal, you know, a specific measurable, which is basically a KPI for what they're working on. What is it that you're changing or working on improving? What is this thing, a number, percentage? What is it that, that you're going to be pulling, you know, number of attacks, number, you know, vulnerabilities, you know, all these different basic standard KPI that we see in InfoSec world. Um, and that is a measure of how well they're doing in a project. That is also something I can start pulling together in company-wide, company-distributed InfoSec KPI with explanations and, 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 and the reasons why we're doing it. It's something that my employees can use for their personal goals, you know, for sort of the HR uh, management for, from year to year. But then they're also summarized and presented to the board. Now, the first time, uh, a KPI appears, I have to explain what it is at a high level, but I also talk about where this KPI is leading us. What is it that, that, that we are aiming to improve for the company long-term? And even if we don't have an immediate KPI for that later on, logically people understand what we're trying to do, what we're trying to improve. And then, um, you know, most of the time KPIs start as red. We rarely start in a good place. And my, my point to the board right away is red is good. Red means we know. 
we didn't know before. There was no KPI. Now we got a red KPI. That's good. Mm -hmm. We now know what the problem is. We now know what the, what the issue is. But the most important thing, of course, whenever that KPI is presented is to tell them, this is what we're doing to improve it. And then, you know, deliver on that. Now, throughout this process, do you ever utilize third parties to help with part of it or actual technology tools to help? Um, so, you know, there are frameworks, uh, the well-known frameworks, the CIS 20, the mm -hmm. ISO, you know, you name a framework that you can use, you can use it to give you an idea of what you should be aiming for the, the basic and then you build the KPI. So that would be probably a way to sort of use the, um, external information, third parties, like an assessment, like scorecards and things like that could also be useful, but early on. I would caution against tying yourself to one of them because you are just so early in the process, even halfway through the process, so many things change. And if you're changing a third party evaluation from year to year, the board might ask why you're switching so often. Right. So I, I try not to tie myself to one of them. Plus, I also feel like that money can be better spent, again, either early to midterm on before you get really mature. Now, when you start getting, you know, when you feel like it, you've reached a, a three on a, you know, the CMMI scale, the, the maturity level, you're a strong three. Now you can start looking at some vendors or some assessments that you can say, okay, from now on, we'll be using this for the next, I don't know, five years. And so now we can try and get very specific measurements based on the framework that we can present to the board. Uh, but you got to be really careful to be really honest with yourself of where you are from maturity perspective uh, before you dive into that. So that makes perfect sense. What, what do you see as common challenges that organizations face when it comes to trying to have sort of the benchmarking success that you've had? Common challenges. Is uh, it other challenges have to do with, does your team need to be on board? Does, it, does the challenges have to do with executives that are sort of willing to adapt to yeah. your model yeah i think the biggest the biggest challenge i'm not gonna call it a problem but, mm -hmm. but a sort of continuous work is educating both up laterally and down you you, you nailed it just now with you, you got to make sure your employees understand what your strategy is mm -hmm. uh, they got to understand where they fit into it because only then they can do this, they can do the work independently and they can push forward and know where they need to, uh, you know, really get the results. you got to educate laterally because all the other managers and teams that are not yours, most of the time you're impacting something they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's important for them to understand why this needs to happen, right? This is, this is sort of security awareness, but at a business level. You know, we, we all talk about educating our employees and that they click on phishing links. But I think more important than that is, is, the, is the understanding the business managers have about the risks they bring to the company and how to work together to mitigate them. And when they feel like part of your team, when they feel that you are working together with them, most of the projects we try to do actually become easier. It's no longer... Mm -hmm us trying to push something down on them, it's usually we are all working together to mitigate a risk they already have, and we're mm -hmm. just the assistants. And then finally up into direct 
uh, leadership above me, but also this sort of skewed, you know, leadership of the, the rest of the executive team for really the same reasons. Uh, and the same level of understanding of business risk and how we can be an assistance, not a block, is what's going to allow for majority of, of my project to succeed. Um, you know, not a ministry of no, but an enabler. Show productivity savings, show, show risk reduction, show that we can help them get over an issue as opposed to be the, be the cause of it. I think that's the biggest issue. Mm. Now, KPIs, everything we talked about earlier, absolutely help because that's an easy way to show the improvement. But on their own, they are just a number. You really got to tie it to strategic goals that are relevant to that business. And that takes a little bit of uh, creative thinking, I think, on our part. How about peers? Is this something, I know you've been in the biz for a while. I'm sure you have a large network of peers. Is this a conversation that you have with them and is that helpful? Oh, absolutely. Just today, we, we just had a meeting earlier today called Greenfield CISOs. We all met at a conference and we just, this probably, this is pre-COVID actually. And huh. we just meet once a month. And there are other groups like this where we just meet and we talk about these exact things, the challenges we run into, the best case, the best way to approach issues, how to justify a project or, or a tool, how to justify another hire, uh, how to show um, that, that we, are, we are business plus, not a business minus, how to tell a good business story, how to enable your business with security, how to make security um, a, a monetization opportunity. And there's now more and more of those um, probably uh, you know, that's not a good thing, you know, all these bad things happening, but at the end of the day, right. it's helping us. So all of that, the good guys have to talk and we kind of all understand that. And we do talk, we try to talk as much as we can. It's sometimes a little bit more difficult right. trying to organize these events, but I got to tell you, they, they, they absolutely pay for themselves in, in, in gold. Yeah. Okay. That's good to hear. So uh, let me ask you one sort of one open-ended last question that um, I'd really love to hear your thoughts on. So when you look at the CISO role moving forward another, let's even say five years, I'm not going to say 10 because that might as well be a different lifetime, five years down the road, right? How do you see this role evolving? Oh, I absolutely see it becoming a, a C-suite role mm. um, right next to the CEO uh, or near you know, I, I think that risk and awareness of risk and the prevalence of technology today make it a requirement to have that kind of um, understanding and guidance at the most senior levels of the company. I also think that uh, the boards will start understanding and then start pulling in executive security and IT executives onto the boards for the exactly same reason. Now, that, that's sort of the business um, movement of this role. But I also think that as companies become more aware, as businesses become more risk aware, as things like DevOps um, and automation become more commonplace, we might be sort of cutting ourselves out of a job. You know, sort of the future, you said five years, but I think the goal for all of us, for all the CISOs should be not having CISOs, not needing to have CISOs. Because at the end of the day, that's the success of our role. If we are fully successful, we're no longer necessary. And I think that's kind of the, the direction for all of us to take. 
what can we do to make ourselves obsolete? Um, both, wow. You know, from technical perspective, if we can automate everything, if everything is happening the, exactly the way business intends to and business understands the risk really, really well, and CISOs and security teams are no longer necessary. I mean, talk about a lot to unpack. I ask that question all the time, and that was easily the most thought-provoking response that I've ever received. I mean, we could do a whole podcast on unpacking that response, and maybe we will at some point. But anytime, Kevin. Um, but but for now, I, I I think we're about at our time. And and Dimitri, I, I really want to thank you for joining us. Thanks for taking your time, your insight. I do think that. The listeners will will love your perspective and the content. Uh, so thanks. I appreciate it. And as always, um, folks can learn more about this episode and all of our interviews at our website, klogicsecurity.com forward slash podcast. Dimitri, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Likewise. Thank you, Kevin.